All right, uh, Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Charland is absent. Trustee Shee Quinn. Present. And Trustee DeVries. Here. We have a quorum. Okay, uh, let's begin our meeting. Um, do we have any public comment? We don't. Okay. Um, minutes, approval of the minutes. I move approval. I second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, passes. And then we have a couple information items from staff. Um, our CFO, Hanson. Okay. Um, well, I don't have a, a formal report um, today. As you know, we have not yet finalized the May financial statements because of our um, net revenue being unexplainably lower than it, we, it was expected for the month. Um, so, unfortunately, we're still not completely done with that analysis. We're, we're looking at, um, at kind of it, every single which way that we can. Um, we do think that it, I mean, it, it's going to be lower than what was expected. Um, you know, some of that is that we, um, we think we're, we really haven't collected um, on the prior year's receivables what um, was expected um, and so what's happening is those accounts age out obviously we're having to take a, a bigger hit because we have to fully reserve for them once they're beyond a year you know it, it's fully reserved um, so we have we have some issues um, due to that and then um, it looks like the revenue may have been overstated in some of the earlier months so anyway we're we're getting to the bottom of it um, the good news is that um, we have been working on coming up with this income statement based uh, calculation mm -hmm. um, actually doing the calculations um, based on the services provided by payer um, um, and by facility um, from the income statement approach and so we're almost done we're pretty much finalized with the process for the core um, group and now we're working on the um, the Alameda and San Leandro ones because they're on different systems. We have different data sets that we have to use, um, and so we're actually doing that for this last year so that we can help identify where we have some issues and and we've we've identified some things where it looks like we're not necessarily collecting what we think we should. So we're I'm, I've tried to explain to. The, our reimbursement group that they're kind of the watchdogs over patient financial services right. and so they're um, actually drilling down and we're sending samples over to patient financial services to have them look at and then I'm going to be meeting with them um, you know in the coming weeks to talk about how we're dealing with underpayments and denial so so it's actually it's been a really good process to go through and doing this um, and so uh, starting in July, we're going to start booking the net revenue based on what we expect it to be, based on um, the actual calculations um, for the services provided. And then um, we'll be making, as we you know have to review the account receivable, and if we see that we have to make adjustments, we'll be fully vetting those before we run them through the income statement. So um, that's going along really well. And then we'll also be using those um, estimated uh, net revenues to give to patient financial services as their cash goals. So um, we have them on board for that. Um, and then that's also going to... Sorry, can you repeat that last one? So 
when we look at like our net revenue that we've calculated for May, for example, we will give to patient financial services and that would be their cash goal. Typically it would be like two months later because of the, right. the revenue cycle. So we'll be giving them that as their cash goal. So they'll have a target. For they'll them. have a target, yes. Um, and then this, these calculations are also will feed into the um, sustainability metrics that we're going to be talking about a little later because um, that's one of the ones that we're putting because we're going to be looking at cash um, collections as a percentage of the expected net revenue based on those calculations. So, right. um, and then just one other note, um, even though we haven't finalized May, um, the expenses are final for May um, and actually expenses, uh, operating expenses were over 900000 under budget for the month. So they were both under budget and under what we had projected. Um, and so it, that's part of what Luis has brought into the, uh, the CLO report. <laughs> yeah, we like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> the right direction. And then just process-wise, um, we don't meet in August. Uh, so in September, we're going to have a pretty meaty uh, um, meeting, a meeting discussion, yes. <laughs> and, and so we'll, is that the meeting where we'll close out, we'll have a closeout report for the fiscal year? So we'll have the year end, but it won't have been audited. Um, right. that, I'm sorry, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. So that'll come in September. Yep. Good. So can I just ask, um, you, so the, the revenue collection, it looks like un, uncollected, you know, reimbursements that you thought we would get. Mm -hmm. Is there, are there, are you seeing patterns worth speaking of as far as from a particular, you know, business unit or, or is it, you know, location? Have not gotten down to that um, in specific. Part of the, uh, um, you know, we have on three different systems. So we, we get pretty detailed reports in terms of the um, what we call payment lag report that says what period the collections we are getting for every month so we can see like in June you know what we've collected this year for prior year stuff very easily and what we're collecting in the current year and then we can we can compare that to how we've you know what we had in AR plus we can compare it to um, what we have um, what we're expecting for the current year financials right it's we don't get as good reports for the um, for the other two facilities. Um, the one San Leandro's Meditech system is you know it's basically <laughs> sunsetted, um, so it's hard for us to get data necessarily out of there, and um, so it, it, we don't get the same kind of reports. So we have to kind of cobble them together. So it's, it takes a little longer. I just. Just for context, is Meditech a uh, electronic health record system that they're currently on? It's not. So, um, Sam. It's the financial. It's their. It's their patient financial services, right? Nothing is electronic um, for patient well, records. So, so the Meditech, the Meditech is their their form of electronic health record. Right. I it, see. It, again, it's got many limitations. It's very antiquated, but that is the medical record that we have at San Leandro and Alameda. Wow. They're both Meditech, but they're both two different okay. versions and instances of, of Meditech. <laughs> um, so, and then at San Leandro, and the Meditech paper-based, right? right uh, yeah, and, 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 and yes, in San Leandro, the Meditech system, uh, in conjunction with Paralon, which is what kind of manages and handles the financials. I see. And so, um, I think this is probably a silly question, but uh, Epic actually brings all that 
to a very different uh, yes. level, right? It's going to solve a lot of problems. Yeah. None of that would sit outside of Epic is another way to ask it. Um, well, all inside. Yeah, I mean, Epic will feed our general ledger system and stuff, but all of the patient financial services data will all be inside Epic. Right. I had the same question, so it's not silly. Okay, um, good. Yeah, if two people have it, then it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, as we said, I mean, that's, that's again, the, the, the critical nature of the transition into the fully integrated system, right? So then everything at that point, you know, our registrations, our, you know, authorizations, I mean, everything that goes through the patient financial services process will all be captured in one single point, along with the clinical documentation for care. Okay. It'll make all the work. You also Staff's going through. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. You mentioned that in your analysis that maybe the uh, projected revenue early early in the fiscal year was off. Um, any further thought on that? I, I, we're it, it's we're still getting to it and trying to drill down to exactly where it is. Um, so, I mean, I know um, you know there were adjustments made because again when you're only looking at from the balance sheet perspective if it doesn't look like it's expected then they would actually you know book entries to increase it up to what was expected expected but expected is kind of based on what they had budgeted or calculated but it wasn't as a detailed a calculation as we are doing now so even on the when we calculate from the balance sheet perspective the payers are rolled up into major groupings when we're doing it from an income statement approach mm -hmm. i mean we're actually looking at the medicare drgs and calculating a medicare payment based on the facility that it's at whether it's you know if, if they're psych or if they're you know a, a medical inpatient we calculate them differently we actually look we don't do stew percentage of charges we look at the various down to the insurance plan level to do a calculation of what's the expected net revenue is. That's, you know, when you're looking at it from the AR perspective, it's rolled up into bigger buckets. And so you can have, you know, some significant swings, you know, 5% or 2%, you know, on a, on a payment percentage, depending on the dollar amount, it could make a big difference. So that's where we're trying to refine it and come up with what's actually, you know, happening. Um, yeah, I mean, my sense is that, um, that the delay is going to be very beneficial because uh, every time I talk to you about this, I get a sense that we're cleaning yeah. um, up systems that were processes. The processes. That weren't yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the good news. Good. The only, the only concern I have is you know, with August, uh, I guess, you know, September will be here before we know it. So we'll, just, we'll just patiently wait. Thank you. But Any other questions? If there is, I mean, if there's discernment and things, we can still get an email with a mm -hmm. CEO report or a CFO report just giving us a synopsis if you've been able to do that. That's still possible that we don't have a meeting, yeah. right? Yeah, so we like... Yeah, uh, I... be one-way communication. I think that's a uh, option um, that staff should consider. Um, as, as a way to prepare as for, necessary for the no, not yeah. that we have to but if that's something that the CEA that can be rolled into an update or or so one way you know and I think you just want to find a threshold of impact against mm -hmm. the September what's going to be reported out in September if it is pretty significant then it might be good to have a heads up heads up during the month of August okay 
Well, we can we'll yeah, find to discuss that. Figure out what, yeah. where that threshold. I is. think our council is uh, thinking about that. Are you thinking about that? Yeah, <laughs> I will. Yeah, you want to be compliant with. Yep. Discussion. Okay. Um, thank you. And let's go on to our COO report. So for our COO report, uh, well, before I start, if I may take a second, I'd like to introduce one of our new members to our team. And so I'd like for her to stand up back in the back. Her name is Athena Buenconsejo. She is our new director of labor relations. Right, so a critical role, uh, a lot of activity, a lot of work that's going to be happening. She's already stepped in and, uh, and hit the ground running for sure. Terrific. So with a lot of the work that's going on right now. So I'd like to welcome her on board. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as your report, uh, I, I, I included it in your package. Uh, to to send uh, to Nancy's point, uh, very pleased to, to report that uh, our expenses continue to be well managed. Uh, the report is consistent with what we discussed last month that we're, we've revamped the format slightly to just reflect and focus on expenses and managing our operation, looking at some of our key statistics and metrics. Um, Again, performance was, was uh, well managed across all sites, uh, resulting in a favorable variance of, of almost a million dollars. So that was, uh, again, great work. And that's really the effect of you know, the efforts that have been going on over the last several months uh, right. tied into the back-to-budget plan. Uh, so again, a lot of those rebids, a lot of the restructuring, a lot of the work that was happening with our teams, we're starting to see that and we're going to continue to see that, which and now it will be in the form of uh, aligning with our FY19 budget, right. which took a lot of that into consideration. So that's what we're seeing. But again, great performance in May. We expect to see the same in June um, and certainly moving forward and continuing our rigor uh, through FY19. In, in the kind of large decreases, even uh, more than budgeted in expenses that you saw, which were the areas that you felt like were the big one, were some places where you, you made a sizable dent in reducing the expenses? Labor. Other than labor. Uh, we know the labor. Uh, labor, so labor was well, uh, again, that's, that's by biggest. far your largest driver. Mm -hmm. uh, in all areas, really, truly throughout the year, uh, on you know repairs and maintenance, uh, pharmaceuticals, which is an area that we've been managing and we've been focusing on. We've done some work and continue to do a lot of work in pharmaceuticals. Um, but uh, the, the non-labor expenses have been well managed throughout the year. Uh, labor was our greatest opportunity, and that's what's really resulted and driven um, a lot of these improvements. And as you recall, in the you know kind of jumping into the back to budget plan, uh, labor optimization was the greatest opportunity, and you know we we sure. we've surpassed that and we performed really really well in that in that area and how, how are we kind of keeping track of or tracking or monitoring how some of these decreases if they correlate to patient care quality or other things or wait times and things like that um, is there is there any way to be uh, measuring that across um, at the business unit too key performance indicators? We do. We do. And that's, I mean, again, that's exactly everything that's monitored and reported at QPSC. I mean, quality and, and the delivery of care is, is at no point in time compromised by our efforts to make sure that we're managing our expenses. And so, um, you know, th these, these kind of happen concurrently. You know, we're, we're managing our operation. We're staffing to volumes. We're staffing, you know, based on our, 
our uh, you know unit matrices, uh, which is driven largely by the occupancy and how we're seeing and the level of acuity of patients and things like that. So, so again, they go hand in hand, quality and and our our financial performance. It, 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 one does not trump the other, and so we're working you know hard to just make sure that we're managing and staffing appropriately. Uh, as volume goes up, we flex up. As volume goes down, we flex down. And, and that's the important thing. Earlier in the year, early in FY18, that was the problem. We, we, were, we were staffed up pretty high based on high census, high volumes. Then that started declining over the first several months of the year, but we never, we never made the necessary adjust, adjustments mm -hmm. to, to really align our <coughs> staffing to those volumes, which resulted in, in, a, in a large gap. And so then, then we, you know, then the, the flu season came in uh, to, to play in, in late December, January, mm -hmm. and so that ramped up again. So then we had to re-ramp up, mm -hmm. but at that point we were obviously already really focused and honed in mm -hmm. on our operations, and we started making adjustments. And so as that started declining, we also were declining, and in some cases we're driving some improvements to look at, at you know, having the proper proper skill mix, having the proper resources, and and non clinical areas, support areas especially, and that's where we started seeing some of these improvements and gains. Thank you. No, I don't know quite how to ask this, so, so I'll kind of fumble through this, but uh, <laughs> I think in public comment we've heard uh, what I suspect is some of the consequence of the ups and downs, uh, staffing up and the staffing mm -hmm. down quickly from, from our staff members. Uh, and uh, I wonder if there are um, it has been a conversation on your team about um, communication and trying to get in front of helping people understand what the policy is around um, being staffed appropriately um, and changes that might have to happen if it if if uh, patient levels change or whatnot. Has there been a conversation about um, helping? The, the broader staff understand uh, the consequences of what has to happen administratively. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's 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 been a key focus area. We we've been sending out uh, you know not only leveraging every vehicle of communication that we have, either the intranet memos. I send out memos on a regular basis to all staff, informing them of the, some of the changes that we're making. Most recently, I communicated to the entire staff the changes in our organizational structure as it relates to operations. Um, but we routinely send uh, information to our staff, wanting to make sure that they understand the why, why you know these these things are happening, or why we're making these adjustments. Equally, educating them on the process. You know, one of the things that we did was focusing on benchmarks. We're looking at benchmarks, and we're going to continue that effort towards uh, improving and aligning ourselves with industry benchmarks and best practices. And so we're working through that. And so I know that HR. Uh, Tony and his team put together an, a complete change management packet that we've shared with all of our leaders, all of our managers, to help guide them through the process on how they can then continue to cascade mm -hmm. the information, meet with their staff, answer their questions, providing them with talking points, things of that nature. So we provided uh, them with really a toolkit to help guide them through a change management process because not only are we going through many changes related to just our, our operations and our financial performance, but really our workflows uh, related to, you know, aligning ourselves and positioning ourselves for, you know, the EPIC and, and, and uh, some of our other uh, implementations. And so it's ongoing. And yeah, so absolutely, absolutely. I, I would say that, yes, it is front and center. 
That is one of our key focus areas. In fact, in the next couple of weeks after Del Vecchio returns, he is actually hosting all staff and employee forums uh, over a period of a couple of weeks uh, at every site. Yeah. And uh, so there's a whole list of those and people attend and, and uh, he's able to not only share information but also answer questions and provide feedback and so again multiple forums multiple vehicles to to communicate can't do it enough we, we try and do it as much as possible Great. that's thank you I was trying to understand how that, that worked and what your thinking was on that and, and uh, change the word change um, is very significant in the middle of that change management because uh, if any place is changing constantly, it's uh, it's a system. Uh, so, uh, well, healthcare as a whole. Yeah, and well, this system because healthcare is changing, yes. and it has we have our own. You know, Epic is a major, uh, major sort of delayed change that we're having to make, and the consequences mm -hmm. from it being late. We just had a report from the CFO that relates to some of the. You know, paper. You're still working on paper, and people have to move from that to some of the very sophisticated. Points. Yeah, it's, it's there's a lot. a lot of pain points, and and uh, we have to make sure that we. You know, you'll have those. We'll have to all those that you know, all the different phases. We have the early adopters. We have those that are somewhat right. on the fence. Those that you know are struggling, even even heavier, and will not want to go through the change. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot of activity. You know, it's a multi generational workforce. We're mm -hmm. working, you know, through that and how we're. You know, some that have been accustomed to doing things very quickly on paper. Now they have to go through this very, you know, structured process. And so there's a lot of changes at every level, and we're going to continue to focus on that. I know that Tangerine and Terry's team, the PACE, our PACE and communication team, they're, they're also looking at a very targeted uh, communication strategy focused on just epic. Internal mm -hmm. stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For internal stakeholders, and even external, but mostly internal stakeholders, just to kind of make sure that we continue with that communication and, and, and informing everyone you know people are highly motivated because of these same pain points they're highly motivated to transition into the new system but again as you start going through it and it starts becoming real you start losing things mm -hmm. that you're comfortable with yeah. <laughs> digressing a bit but the epic phase one kind of ends this month right and kind of are we on track to get the um, <coughs> what's that phase called the before the build phase, what, what validation phase, or yeah, something ends in J July, uh, July, I thought, and we start our building in. Am I right? In August. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that that uh, that uh, graph in front of me, but uh, but I know exactly. Anyways, yeah, we, different we, phases. I'll find that. But what I what I will say is that yes, we are at this point in time on, on track. Everything is on track. Our latest e uh, Epic report, the, the scorecard that we received from Epic, I believe you guys received that. Yeah. Uh, is still green. The project continues to be healthy. Huh? We're going to be again, right? <laughs> I want to get an A. <laughs> well, they're just, uh, you know, there, there's always room for us uh, to continue exactly. to drive improvement. But no, we're still, the, the key is that it's yeah. green <laughs> and it's healthy. And so we're, we're moving things along. Um, in, in the last report, we saw that a large portion of our staff has already been fully certified, which is a great right. thing. So, so again, our direction setting meetings have gone extremely well as we finish those, um, <laughs> it, the, the second set of those. And so, again, we're, we're still on target and we're, we're moving forward. Yeah, and I, I would just sort of put in a point. So the last of the direction setting meetings are scheduled for uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week. And okay. as the okay. at the board meeting, you know, uh, there is a 
you know, these would be open to trustees if you wanted to come in and see how they operate, uh, because it does give a good sense both of what's happening, but also the uh, you get a palpable sense of the level of engagement of the employees with them. Mm -hmm. Not only what goes on in the meetings, but what happens in between. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that probably might be of most interest to you uh, is the uh, direction setting meeting that uh, relates to the care everywhere function of EPIC. And so this is the, you know, the interactive patient portal piece. So um, Ronna can you know, get you the specific times and dates of those. I believe it's uh, Tuesday morning uh, at uh, Berkeley City College. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you for that little deviation from your report. Another question, Joe? Well, I just had a few. Um, I was wondering under the, prime, at the, under the um, ambulatory care volumes, mm -hmm. um, the ones that are, I mean, Hayward's looking great. Um, are we going to start to see Alameda on there? We will. We, uh, what, it's what, just too new? It is. So, again, we're, we're in our new reporting. We'll go ahead and include it. Right now it's being captured. It's, captured, it's being captured in, under the total clinic visits, and it's not broken out specifically as one site like we have the others here. Okay. But we'll make sure that we break that out, and we'll start capturing that information as well. Okay. Um, and then my other question was just on, on volume, when, when a particular site is, like, uh, what percentage should it be down by to cause con a concern or, or further in inquiry? Does that make sense? Like, something being off by 2%, you know, a couple of, you know, 20 visits isn't, doesn't seem like a big deal, but at what point does it become something that you're looking at to wonder what's going on? Well, I, I guess the way I would answer that is, is our expectation is that we're going to achieve our budget. Our expectation is that we're going to meet our targets. And if we don't meet those targets by whatever percentage, uh, we're, we're having that discussion. We're doing that drill down. And, and that's part of the work that we do in our budget variance committee meetings every month, where we drill down and we look at all of these key indicators, not just you know, well, and, and on every SBU. And we're looking at where are those variances, what are the drivers for those variances, uh, is it is it something that we were expecting due to vacations or mm -hmm. you know there was a scheduled you know yeah. program but outside of it, but but regardless we, we want to understand what was the driver what's causing that and then most importantly what steps are we taking to make sure that we get back on target so you know for me and and, and uh, you know for 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 you I, I would say that looking at year to date is many times the the, 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 the better indicator mm -hmm. because it, it, it kind of sometimes it neutralizes it normalizes those those monthly swings that are again seasonal or or, or impacted by a particular activity um, so again it's good to look at both but the year year to date uh, numbers typically provide you that better picture of kind of how we're normalizing and how we're tracking some of that right. okay I mean, just to use primary care as an example again I mean uh, East Mont's off year to date by eight percent Mm -hmm. uh, for example, whereas um, you know Fairmont and, and Hayward seem to be overperforming. So, are there lessons to be learned as far as what's happening in Eastmont uh, versus versus Hayward? Uh, now, I know they're very different clinics. Uh, Hayward's new, and it's got a, a different uh, workflow. Yeah, workflow. Thank you. Um, and but, but um, yeah, it's just yeah. no, no. I, I, again, all valid points. I mean, as, as you recall. Um, and, and so sort of the key, what I would say to that specifically for this, um, there was a tremendous 
amount of work that Paula and her team and ambulatory were doing to restructure some of the templates and to restructure, you know, uh, some of their workflows themselves. And so as we were rolling out some of these activities, you know, they were doing that in different settings. And so, you know, we, we've really had great, good, I mean, great performance in Hayward. Uh, in Eastmont, there was a, obviously a lot more work that was going into that. Um, so, so that's, I, I think that's the, the, the driver this year uh, in, in particular was largely the driven templates. by some of the, uh, the work that was happening and how, how Paula and her team was rolling out different policies, procedures, and some of the template work that was happening to schedule those, uh, those patients. Mm -hmm. Do we know, um, I mean, uh, referring back to Trustee um, um, DeVries' question about the Alameda, we've, it's been open since April, right? Correct. April, so we have a, one FTE physician and we were averaging four to six patients until like, uh, May or June, so do we know we've kind of gone into the double digits yet, or it's still in the six, seven? Um, you know, I, I, I have not looked at the data for, for June, um, I will, and I haven't looked at it independently, so I don't have the answer to that, but I will find out, and I, I, can, I can certainly share that information. I know that, uh, you know, that provider has been ramping up. Um, but I don't have an exact number, so I would, I would hate to, to miscommunicate, okay, yeah. but I will get that information and yeah. I can share that. Four to six seemed a little low after three months of operation, and at, that's average, I know, but still, like, what were some of the uh, outreach promotion and things that were happening to, to ramp that up? Uh, we might hear about that in QPS, who knows? Yeah. So, no, we'll we doing ambulatory okay. in QPSC, maybe, I don't know. Sure. So are we uh, ready to go on to the next item? What? Well, uh, yes and no. Is is, um, is, the, is the action plan the next item, or is it part of this item? Uh, we can talk about that. I mean, I, I kind of lumped both of them together. The uh, okay. back to budget. I just kind of referenced that oh, we have done well and yeah. we we outperformed. And well, yeah, I mean, I, I said. Quite, I mean, just my first question, the very first line is the. Um, the well, my biggest column is the remaining to achieve. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the biggest one is. Ten million seven hundred sixty-eight thousand under supplemental reimbursement. So, um, yeah. Um, so, so let me let me explain this one here. So I will I will. This was something that you know in previous meetings I I, I had shared with you all that. Um, and I probably I have haven't a changed. terrible memory. So yeah, I haven't I haven't um, I didn't change any of this. Uh, now that Nancy came on board and she's been revisiting all of our revenues. We ha I, I just figured, you know what, I'm leaving this one alone. Okay. I didn't want to change it, but I want to delete it because I didn't want to change what's been routinely right. reported. But these numbers here have all changed uh, based on the assessment that, that uh, Nancy has done with, with her team and how we, you know, how these all came together. So the focus for me, uh, you know, outside of those that were very specific to our CIP or our revenue cycle yeah, improvement initiatives and everything, mm -hmm. yeah. everything else though, we, we were able to kind of work through and they were very independent of some of that work. Mm -hmm. They were specific activities that we did and so that's why we, we, you know, those I was able to report on. But the revenue cycle improvement ones, yeah. um, I just, Kind of left those alone <laughs> because they were very specific to the work that Nancy and her team were doing. Yeah, uh, that's very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I love the zeros. <laughs> and, and I'll just make a note that um, the supplemental revenue we actually did bring that in, but this was what we used to fix our FQHC issue. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. not really hitting to the bottom line. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And the other one. Um, on there, the um, the room and board capture for the midnight mm -hmm. census. That's something that we're 
there's it's still um, a work in progress. We have um, buy-in and the works and the beds and everything's being set up. So it's going to happen next year. It just didn't make it this year. So correct. That that that's the one that the work is uh, has happened that that, that required a, a build within our current Sorian system, and mm -hmm. so that was being done. And so there was a lot of activity that went into that, but. We should start seeing that this fiscal year and really capturing those the benefits of that work. Okay. But when you go to uh, the others, like I said, they, they've, they've been achieved. Uh, I will highlight for you uh, the Clark construction. I put it mm -hmm. in red. That was we had, for some reason, it was anticipated that we were going to get a much larger return uh, because we thought that we had not received payments for the utilities that were being used for during the construction process. After kind of flushing all that out, we actually it was only seventy-eight thousand that was uh, remaining, but we captured the seventy-eight thousand dollars, and that's already been processed and taken care of. And then, lastly, in the last uh, slide, uh, we've done we've done really well in all areas, uh, truly outperforming. I, I, I've got zero to achieve based on our target, but we've outperformed mm. significantly, especially in some of those uh, areas uh, on labor optimization. The only area was in the transition of our EDs. We have not seen that uh, that savings yet, and uh, again, we're still stabilizing. Uh, a lot of work continues in those areas to stabilize, specifically more in, in San Leandro. And that's that's all I have on those. Okay. I, I just want to say I really appreciate the the, the update. I mean, I, mm -hmm. an action was requested, it was taken, and you've tracked it, and I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Just, it shows progress. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's been helpful to see this the last mm -hmm. three months and the, and the progress made. Yeah. And as, uh, as I understand, this report will no longer be something you, you're expecting to provide unless it becomes apparent that we need to get back into uh, expenditure strategy. Uh, right? Right? Well, let's, yeah, let, let's hope not, right? I mean, the, the expectation <laughs> right. is that we're going to continue to manage our expenses very closely. You will continue to receive the COO report, and right. that's where I plan to provide right. you with very specific actions and what we're doing and how we're tracking. And, and hopefully we're going to, I mean, I feel very confident that our team is well positioned to, to manage and continue the great work that they're doing this part. So you've incorporated this into your... Into the COO report. Your, right. Perfect. Yeah. Thank well, you. One last question. Please. So something like the home health care contract usage, what, what, what does that look like when you reduce it or, you know, reduce the home health contract usage? What does that mean? Well, this one was very specific uh, uh, with Tangerine and Sheila. We were looking at expanding, mm -hmm. and so we held off on that expansion. Okay. Uh, but we, we, we have several home health contracts, and we've been using those home health contracts. Okay. Um, but it was an expansion that we were planning, and we said, no, we're going to go ahead and wait until we uh, until fiscal year 19 to begin that expansion and okay. that growth. So some of these are still in the works that for this fiscal year, you've, you've achieved some savings for that. But because you can see some of these other plans have been have tied back to uh, things that you've said you're going to do in fiscal year 19. So some of these will come back into that when we've had... They've been incorporated the into the budget of FY19. Mm -hmm. So as part of our budget and part of our plan effort, planning efforts for FY19, they've been included. So they will now start focusing on some of these areas. Okay. So some of these were a delay in, in, in moving forward and therefore there was a reduction mm -hmm. in, in anticipated expenses. So this is temporary and then it, you got Yeah, the this is done. So essentially at this point, our back-to-budget plan is pretty much done. Uh, we're focusing and 
currently operating uh, under our FY19 targets. Okay. And who constitutes the budget oversight committee? Like, is it the who? who Who's on, on the committee? Absolutely. So the Budget Oversight Committee is uh, Nancy, myself, uh, Tony Redmond, Dr. Jamaluddin, Ishwari, mm -hmm. uh, her team, Jody, Helen, uh, the finance team, and, uh, and Del Vecchio. Okay. So that's the Budget Oversight Committee. And then we have uh, different leaders uh, present and, and uh, report out based on you know, some of the research that we've done and what's been identified and where we want to get some additional detail on. Mm -hmm. But that's the core committee. Okay. Great. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Let's go on to item three, uh, insurance program review. Uh, yes, that, and that was just a written report. I uh, did not have a specific presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. The one thing I will point out, um, it looks like I did make a mistake in uh, not updating uh, one piece of information. So with regard to the uh, auto liability policy, mm -hmm. I left out the coverage terms. And the general coverage terms on that policy are as a uh, combined coverage of uh, $20 million, uh, $1 million for uninsured, and 5000 for medical payments, and that has not changed. Um, so my apologies for leaving that information out. But if you have any questions about you know, any of the information there, happy to answer them or provide additional information if there was not enough in the report. I didn't have the time to track it down, but I thought in the fiscal year 19 budget, there was an assumption that workers' comp was going to be increasing. Is that uh, well, uh, correct or incorrect? Mm -hmm. Yes. So Can you report that? Well, it's sort of yes and no. It, uh, the payroll upon which workers' comp insurance is based increase by 10%, which would have suggested that you would also have a corresponding increase in the premium to be paid. Um, so we did increase the payable by 10%, uh, but as a result of the loss experience um, in other measures, our rate decreased. And so that increase in the payroll, so you know, basically you know, when you took you know, X times the payroll, it was now you know, point X times the payroll. And so it actually, even though the payroll went up 10%, you know, for an additional 42 million, we basically had a 10% decrease in the rate that was applied. So, and then we had another discount on top of that. So that's why that number ended up being overall less. Because no, I wasn't imagining things. Yeah. So, so that's actually a favorable yes. situation for yes. you. Good. We look for those. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions regarding insurance? No, that's no. great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Surprise. Very clear report. Appreciate that. Um, let's go on to information retrospective review. Uh, item one, agreement with Morrison Management. So I'd like to, I, this one I'd like to walk you guys through uh, some history. And uh, although you have the slides, I, I won't spend a whole lot of time on them. But again, focusing on some Morrisons, we've had, um, is our current food, food nutritional services provider. Uh, provides uh, the program overview, our history, and our, our spend, which is what really uh, came up. And, and this is one of those that was presented at our audit committee, and so we've, we've been working through this process. But again, a lot of information in this slide, but essentially what I'd like to say here is that uh, we've been working with Morrison Healthcare since 2012. Um, they, they provide uh, a variety of services. They provide the management as well as uh, general oversight of the of the operation at all of our sites across the system. The history of the partnership, as I as I mentioned here, uh, the, really the genesis of everything that happened. Uh, uh, 
the Joint Commission came and visited the facility. There was some findings. The, the facility was placed on immediate jeopardy. Mm. At that point, uh, the, the health system decided, the facility decided to bring in a, an expert consultant to evaluate those, uh, those, that work to help mitigate those, those circumstances. After they did so, uh, there was a revisit uh, that those deficiencies and, and the immediate jeopardy was lifted. At that point, the organization felt that, you know, we really need this type of, 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 of skill, uh, really supporting and helping manage this critical operation, which is not just for outpatient and, you know, uh, what we call retail, but also inpatient uh, nutrition services. Uh, so uh, in 2013, se several things that happened. So, this, so I think a key point and where I want to kind of highlight here is that in September of 2012, a five-year full-service agreement was, engaged, was, was brought forth to the board, uh, which was a, a five-year term for Highland, Fairmont, John George, mm -hmm. were they not to exceed dollar value of $15 million based on those calculations that were done at the time for that service. Then, in 2013, this is where our processes broke down. Mm -hmm. In 2013, we brought on another, another facility. And at that time, the facility came on board, that transition occurred, all that work happened, and the contract was extended to incorporate and include the services at that facility, yet no change or amendment was brought forward to the board mm -hmm. to make an adjustment for that. Then in 2014, we added Alameda. another facility, Alameda Hospital. Again, that change occurred. The contract was extended, uh, and when I say extended, meaning it was it, it, it was uh, amended to incorporate those services, therefore increasing the total expenditure. Uh, but nothing was brought forth to the board, which was Alameda Hospital and South Shore, and then lastly Park Bridge. Uh, which is our skilled nursing facility was also included in that at the time known as uh, uh, Water's Edge. Um, so that, that's what kind of resulted essentially in, in, in the significant change from what was originally approved, uh, you know, by the board and what resulted, as a, you know, uh, uh, by, you know, transitioning and bringing these facilities on board. Um, so that was the, the, the primary component of that, for that. So some of these were like two, three-year, three-year contracts that were amended. Was it like when when we got San Leandro Hospital? So with MHC, was that then under the same terms a subcontract? Sign? Like how how does that like how do you take an entity and then do that? Is it like rolled into the same contract or is that a separate subcontract three or that was done with the same terms and conditions as the one for the core? So in this particular case, the, the, the core agreement was the master agreement. Mm -hmm. And so those facilities were brought in as an amendment to that master agreement, just adding those services and that scope of work for those particular sites. So there was, you know, a document, there was an amendment that came in and it said, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to add these services at these various sites. This is the anticipated volume. This is the anticipated expense and the increase in cost and all that was processed, but it was never brought back to the board to make an adjustment to the initial approval, which had a capped total expenditure authority. Mm. And so that's essentially what happened. That's where the breakdown occurred. Did the amendments uh, expressly expand the cap? Yeah. They did not. Oh, interesting. 
You must have had a different attorney. I mean, they did, but they did not in the no, dumpster. That's before my time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they increased the scope and the work, and they accounted for the, 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 the you know, the, the change. They accounted for the total volume change and the work. But what never changed was the master agreement that had a capped total expense authority that the board approved. So those were signed by different people in the organization. Um, um, so again, so this, that, that was the breakdown in the process that yeah. we've been working to, to resolve. And I know that it's Mike helpful. and his team are, are, are really working to. It's to helpful to understand. It, so since this is retrospective review, the lessons are what's important. It, it seems to me that this is sort of like haze that happens in acquisitions. Is that uh, accurate? Well, yes. Well, you know, one of the the the, the teachings or, or, or lessons that we're you know, trying to take out of this is, you know, understanding and uh, perhaps refining what we present to the board for approval, mm -hmm. um, and making sure that it's you know actually useful for the organization and useful and helpful to the board. So, for example, you know, we might have situations you know where we enter into an agreement for. X number of years uh, at X dollar amount. Well, you know, what happens if you get to the dollar amount before you get to the years? Or what happens if, you know, and, and again, you know, it's the question of what, you know, what is the authority that the board's granting and making sure that we're making the right request, you know, because in some respects, the number of years may not necessarily be a particularly relevant issue. It may be the money, or in other respects, the the time period may be more relevant. So, so uh, you know, since I've uh, you know taken over um, oversight of the uh, the contracting you know function, we've been you know looking at both the uh, signature authority policy uh, and the entire non you know physician contracting process to. Um, address some lower level things in terms of just processing, you know, of these requests, but then also some of the higher level pieces too in terms of making sure that there's greater consistency and greater thought in terms of what's brought to the board so that the board has the bet has a clear understanding of what it's approving mm -hmm. and how that might operate. Um, and that it then the tail end of the process avoids this sort of situation. You know, has the right controls in place to make sure that you know if something gets changed. That then that prompts the inquiry as to whether or not that requires additional interaction with the board before moving forward. Yeah, it's just that through those three years of uh, whether it was brought to the board or not, with the 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 accounts department or the business, the, that unit, SBU, the, the site unit, when they were, um, when some of these expenses were being authorized or were being paid, like, to see if, uh, if, if at that time nobody revisits the contract or anything to see like where we are with that or at, at any level of those, you know, different places where the you know, payment system it, goes through? You know, there, there's a bit of a varied process. Um, and, you know, and one part of the discussion, or at least you know, one part of the you know, discussion I think, you know, should be brought up is that is drawing a distinction between, you know, what the proper level of control. And in some respects, you know, an issue like this, 
uh, or the Medline contract is a different issue for me than, you know, quite frankly, a much lower value dollar contract mm -hmm. for some. I mean, this is quite, this is out in front of us. This is obvious, you know. We, we are operating, you know, kitchens in a cafeteria. Right. We are buying supplies and that sort of thing. And so the fact that, that somebody, you know, and I believe, you know, I'd actually you know, heard the comment that, you know, well, it, it was needed for operations, and so that's why it was approved without, you know, necessarily flagging the issue, um, <clears throat> which is not necessarily the excuse, but the, uh, we do need to have a more robust process of actually tracking the spend along in comparison to it, and part of that was a decision made uh, sometime prior to the point that an interim general counsel was brought on board uh, to do away with the a purchase order requirement um, for contracted items. What that ended up doing was taking away one sort of monitoring mechanism yeah. with respect to the spend mm -hmm. because a purchase order is for a you know, particular amount. Once you get to that amount, nothing else gets approved, right. so it automatically prompts right. some inquiry. Right. So one of the steps that I've that will be part of the process redesign is to reinstitute the purchase order requirement okay. um, to ensure that there, and that also ensures, you know, uh, multiple opportunities for monitoring. So again, that we don't have the same people approving stuff who are also <coughs> monitoring stuff. And then because now totally from the first time MFC came on, that was 2012, right? So it's going to be their contract expires um, total. The master contract expires when, like 2019? No, the con so the contract so the contract expires September of September 30th, 2018. And then, um, are we? Uh, because it's been a long time sure. with these, so is there going to be like a bid process and all of that? And Absolutely. how does that? I, and I have that so, in the future oh, slides here. So, so just uh, so the, the one point that I would make, uh, and I think, uh, Trustee DeVries, did you have a question? I saw you were. I, I did less about process. I mean, I think this is important because it does feel weird, and I'm glad you're fixing it. But more on on uh, quality. I mean, I'm just looking at the the increase in the contract from. The acquisition of San Leandro went up about 2.2 million. The acquisition of Alameda went up about another 2.1, 2.2 million. Is, does, does that feel in line to you in terms of the level of service that we're getting? Uh, again, I would say, I mean, I would say yes. You know, when you're looking at adding all those, I mean, you're, you've added, if you, if you think about it in Alameda, it's not just Alameda Hospital, you're adding, uh, you're adding the SNFs. Yeah, right. And so at, at, um, at Park Bridge, for example, you have a census of 120. Right. You have 120 beds, you know, three meals a day, <laughs> you know. But did the original Highland contract, that included Fairmont and John George, correct? Correct, Fairmont and John George. So that, I mean, there's a lot of people there, right, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but there was there was a slightly different footprint. I mean, again, there was a lot of changes when we opened up the ACT uh, and, mm -hmm. you, know, the, the, you know, the whole mechanism and the whole meal delivery process changed completely as part of the whole transition when the construction was happening prior to the opening, after the opening. Uh, so there were, there were several variables that impacted those dollars. Uh, but again, I, I would, uh, my answer to that would be that, I, I mean, I think they're reasonable and, and uh, consistent with the, with the work effort that's been behind that. I mean, you didn't do it, so I'm asking you to comment on somebody else's work, essentially. No, but we've looked at it. I mean, that's right. the reason why we spent, you know, what we did was, you know, the, the contract, actually, the, it was a five-year term. It expired in, in 17. 
but we exercised the one-year option. Um, you to, thought you had to. We had to because we, were, when we found out that all this was happening. We started researching and digging right. into it. We said, oh, my God, we need to look at this. We engaged compliance. We were looking at it, and we, we exercised the one-year option to allow us the time to really drill down and get this, this information. Yeah. And so we can make sure we properly fix it. So this is, uh, again, it speaks to some of the increase in spend as we've just discussed. And then this is where we get to the to, uh, to your point, uh, Trustee Banerjee, is, um, again, they've been compliant with the contract. Uh, they, they've, done, they've done good work for us. Uh, but because of the length of the, of, the, of the, you know, the agreement that we've had in place, we did initiate an RFP. Uh, we've been going through the RFP process, uh, and we plan and, and uh, our, our, our goal is to bring something and pre to present to this committee in early September. So you're in the RFP process. You Currently. haven't made a selection yet. Not yet. So okay. we are in the process of reviewing at this point okay. uh, the submissions. How many submissions do you have? Well, I will, I will say that. You can't say. Uh, can I say? No. I cannot say. <laughs> at this point, I, at this point, I can't share any of the details regarding the uh, RFP process. That I, we're that's fine. That was part of your report. Correct. And Morrison HQ is in in California. It's a local. Morrison is worldwide. Okay. Yeah, they're they're a very large organization. Morrison's there. There's really, you know, what I can say is there's really several key providers uh, that. Uh, that specialize in this type of work for healthcare facilities across the country, and it's Aramark, Sodexo, and Morrison's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for example. For example, <laughs> those are like some of the key main uh, providers. Yeah, I. Indirect. You knew where you were going. Where I'm going to, like, I mean, I know they're hiring locally. They have to because this is where we are. Um, it'd be great to see that wealth building happening locally also. I, I don't know that there's any possibility for that. I, I don't know how the RFP was structured to try to encourage, I don't know if they have subcontractors or, or whatever, but, you know, my thing about us being an anchor institution. Um, well, let me, let me clarify on this, on this point here because I think that's important for us and, and, and we completely agree. And, you, yeah. and, and as we've, I know we're lying there. we've demonstrated before, and that is one of our key and foundational criteria for the work that we're doing with any of our contracts. They only provide us with management expertise. All of the staff is in-house staff. They're all AHS employees. The only thing that Morrison provides is the management. And so we have several managers. The total staff that they provide is 10, maybe across the entire system. Everything else is in-house AHS employees. So they just manage the, the agreement. Equally, as far as all of the procurement, Everything goes through our okay. uh, GPO, our group purchasing organization, Vizient. So, really, it's it's all managed within AHS. Mm -hmm. It's it's just you know their their expertise and oversight that's, that's provided. Yeah. Okay. That, that. Thank you. Yeah, that's really nice. So they're all so very like local. Ten, ten people. Uh, approximately ten, ten to twelve people is what they what they uh, again what's on site, uh, which is they're essentially what that means is that they they all live locally. Uh, they're, they're all, they've been hired to, to work here. Um, they just received their paycheck from Morrison's, not from us. Um, but they are. They, they've been here for, they're, they're local to the community and where we okay. were. That makes, that, yeah, that makes and, sense. And then the value of these contracts, and just to say, you know, is, is really that bench strength. 
you know that you know the, the systems the resources the the training the you know all those regulatory capabilities things like that that they that offer as a mean. system mm -hmm. to all of their clients okay so having to be good at a whole other area Right. It's Compliance. a very it's a very complex area. Uh, you know, when you're looking at, I mean, they're an integral part of the care delivery team. You know, when you're looking at the dietitians visiting every single patient upon admission. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're looking and at. And there's risk. I mean, the as we know, yeah. in uh, 2012, when we had findings. Correct. When right. it, exactly an immediate jeopardy that could close the hospital down. Yeah. Food that's is important. important. So that's the plan. So we plan. Uh, our, our goal is to. Uh, we will be presenting to the finance committee a recommendation uh, for. A, a contract agreement with a food service provider in, in September. Okay, thank you. Okay. I'm going to move on to item two, agreement with Universal Hospital. Uh, I'll, I'll go relatively quickly through this one. I'd like to uh, uh, just uh, introduce uh, Portia Moses. She is our system director of uh, supply chain, and uh, she's uh, really accountable and, and manages and oversees this agreement. But I will go through here. And, you know, I, I shared with you the, the, the materials. Uh, this is the program overview as far as what they provide. In essence, what they do for us is they provide um, staff that manages and supports all durable medical equipment, portable moving equipment. Mm -hmm. So ventilators, infusion pumps, you know, things like that, beds. Those are the things that they, they help us manage and they support in, internally in-house with us uh, at the facility. Uh, we engaged, we, this was a contract that we actually brought to, to the finance committee uh, about a year and a half ago. So this is about halfway through its, its uh, contract life. Uh, this here provides uh, the amendment, which was done in, in July of 2017. Ah, two years, uh, what is that, a year ago? A year ago. A year ago. Um, and so, the board approved the contract with a dollar value of 3.89 million. What we're trying to reflect here is to demonstrate what has been our current spend with some projected and forecasted spend, uh, demonstrating that we're we're looking at, at being right within our our uh, delegated authority there as far as our anticipated spend. Now again, some of those, especially the forecasted uh, spend, it's, it's largely dependent on on how much rental equipment we bring in, uh, that's that's driven by the patient acuity. I know that uh, the biggest area where we see many times is in ventilators, mm -hmm. and ventilators are really directly associated with the flu season. And mm -hmm. so this past flu season, we did have an extremely large number of ventilated patients, and so we were bringing in a lot of equipment. Mm -hmm. So that can fluctuate, that can vary, but um, but we're still thinking that based on, on our forecasted data, that we will be well within our, our approved authority. Thank you. So again, lastly, uh, they, they, it, again, they've been compliant with the contract as stated, uh, and uh, we're continuing to manage and monitor their performance. They're doing good work, and uh, we will look at uh, as we get closer to the end of the agreement. This is their, you know, their, their, this is the second amendment that we, uh, the okay. third amendment that we've done with them. So we will be looking at going through the process here as far as, uh, you know, considering other providers that that, that uh, can do this work. That's all I have. Thank you. Okay. Just to cover, are we doing an RFP process? Mm -hmm. Not yet. We're still, yeah. we're still, we're Contact. one year into a three-year agreement. Gotcha. So in the next, after next year, we'll start looking at ramping up and going through the process of review for the RFP. Thank you. This was just a... So this is a true retrospective, but it's a current contract that we wanted to just say, we engaged a year ago. How has it been working? Perfect. It's working well so far. 
but because of the fact that we've been with this provider for an extended period of time, you know, with this amendment now, our plan is to then, for the next cycle, go through the RFP process. And then, you know, we'll see who, who uh, ends up at that point being selected. But that will be in the future. Correct. Thank you. Item uh, three, uh, this is, relates to um, the county agreement and uh, the conversation around the strategic reserves Thanks. agreement. Right. So I'm going to do this. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so you have a copy of the memo and the, and the draft contract. Um, so what this contract is doing is formalizing the agreement or requirements with the county regarding the use of the strategic reserves for EPIC. Um, and then the preconditions that were set up um, regarding the claiming and the disposition of the capital cost reimbursement um, for the county-owned facilities. So the agreement outlines the process by which AHS and the county aren't going to work together um, to secure all that available reimbursement for capital costs with the intention that those funds are going to support the future capital funding for the AHS-operated county-owned facilities. Mm -hmm. So the draft is almost complete. Um, the key terms of it include the confirmation that all the capital cost reimbursement for those um, county-owned assets will be remitted back from AHS to the county um, when we get reimbursed for that. Um, it spells out the methodology and timing for <coughs> determining the amount and authorizing payment. This piece is still a little bit um, under review, and I think it's basically about when the payments are going to be made. Um, but uh, And that has to do with the fact that we get we get paid somewhat ongoing for inpatient medical but it's an estimated amount and until we go through audits and and you know um, actually verify the amount from a cost report and then how much was actual paid claims that we can do the calculations on we don't know how much we owe them so we're trying to work out the timing of when we actually will remit the money to them um, Confirmation that the funds will be used to maintain the county-owned facilities and assets that we're operating. Um, and then the agreement to develop a process by which AHS will request whatever, um, you know, maintenance needs to be done um, at those facilities using these funds for both emergent and routine uh, capital needs. So basically the methodology is that AHS is going to claim the interest and depreciation for the county-owned assets in our cost reports, um, and that so that then we're in the areas where we get cost-based reimbursement, which is basically Medi-Cal inpatient fee-for-service, outpatient um, Medi-Cal fee-for-service, and out, and professional fees um, fee-for-service for, for Medi-Cal. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll calculate a, a cost report with the interest and depreciation and then one without interest and depreciation. Mm -hmm. And when we do the final settlements on those, once we, you know, have an audit and we can do the final settlements for whatever those programs are, then we will calculate the cost both ways and the difference is basically what the county would get. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the one thing I want to note is that there may, this may require some change to how we've been um, reporting our financials um, because we've been reporting the revenue basically at net, what we think we're going to be able to keep. We've, we haven't been calculating that amount due to the county because mm. we haven't had an agreement and, oh, by the way, if we had a liability to the county and there's no agreement, the county's not going to 
they're not going to, um, from an audit perspective, they won't, you know, sign off on it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're going to, because that revenue is technically coming to us from a CMS perspective, we're going to have to show the revenue. We're going to have to report it to Oshpod that it's ours. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably have to have either an expense or some sort of um, transfer to the county as a related party. So we'll have to figure out, we're working with the auditors to try and figure out how the appropriate way to report that is. Um, so, next slide. Um, so there's some additional reporting requirements to the health committee um, on this on a quarterly basis. Um, basically the status of the EPIC implementation, um, key milestones, which are they're reported to you and then we would report to them on a quarterly basis. Um, the status of the five million contingency in the EPIC budget, um, assuming that if the, there was an intention to actually use those funds, it would be reported to them after it's been reported to you. Um, any planned service reductions, um, like service downgrades, changes or closures of clinics or anything like that, um, they don't want to wait until a quarterly health committee meeting to be advised of that. So they would want to know that um, as soon as it's known. Um, and then... Is that, I'm sorry, is that well-defined? Do you think, I mean... Yeah. Sounds like it's pretty general. Yeah, if I... I think it's, it's, it's more or less like, if this was a if this was a county hospital, they would do a Bugleson hearing oh, or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, so right. I think it's something, it's that, something that, that would hit that level, is my oh, understanding. Oh, okay. But that's I leave that to that a I'm, I'm, I'm actually guessing it's Maybe. a little bit lower than that level. So, I, I mean, there is language there which you know I think says enough to <laughs> yeah to establish an obligation. You know, I mean, you know, understand. Uh, you know, as you can tell, there are a number of different things being addressed in this agreement beyond the the seven million dollars, you know, which is and so uh, you know, by by virtue of that, you know, without you know making it a thirty-page document, you know, I think yeah. there's been an attempt to identify the things which are important and provide enough information. And uh, I don't really think or that this will present a problem. Uh, or an issue, I think that our tendency would be to, um, you know, treat things which would fall in these categories, you know, with a certain degree of transparency that should avoid any problems. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, okay, and then they also want um, the status of facility oh, maintenance um, and work with GSA, they want that to be reported, but we're actually look. It makes more sense for GSA to be reporting it, but that's still um, under yeah. review. Yeah, just understand that on county-owned properties, GSA does the maintenance. Why would we be responsible for reporting on the status of that maintenance? Freak. That a silly <laughs> question. <laughs> well, maybe it was a silly. Uh, Answer. That's a good. That's a good point, and we'll take your direction to to look into it and report back to you. Can I use my car analogy again? Yeah. Please. So, like, you know, we're driving the county's car, and the county expects us to take it to the mechanic at the same way the county took it to the mechanic when they owned the car, and would want us to tell them if there was a problem at the, at the mechanic's shop. So, <laughs> like, 
Okay. Right? I mean, we're driving. Yeah, it's our. We're, we're taking care. But they also own the mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Particularly. Right. Sorry. And it would show up on their credit card statement since we're using their credit card to go to the mechanic. But, yeah. Okay. Whatever. So, next steps. <laughs> um. <laughs> Maybe that was maybe that analogy is dead. Maybe I should just stop with that. One. It was six months ago. Maybe it's not going to have to make a, a uh, twisted analogy. Yeah, whatever. Suggest the problem. Okay. Okay. So next steps. Um, basically, the draft is going to be finalized um, with whatever feedback you guys have, um, and the agreement would be presented to the full board um, in July for approval. And then after that, the agreement would go to the County Board of Supervisors, probably in um, September. Um, there's lease renewals to be done for the um, Highlands HCP and um, the Cute Tower that'll be done this fall. And then um, also this fall, um, AHS will work with GSA to come up with that process for us requesting um, whatever uh, maintenance or, or um, capital needs we have at the county-owned buildings. Yeah. That's it. Fascinating. Good. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I just want to say, I, I suggested this hit our agenda maybe a little bit sooner because I, I wanted us to have a little thought going into it. Oh, it's it's going to come to us in a couple weeks, we hope. I mean, we're hoping it'll be ready in a couple weeks. And so... Well, I guess my instinct was right. I had the same instinct when we yeah. put the agenda together. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's a little... Because uh, primer for us, right? Yeah. I think we probably will have an interesting conversation at the full board meeting. Yeah, yeah. Chair, <laughs> yeah. Get ready for that. Uh, let's move on to a discussion item regarding um, the dashboard recommendations related to the dashboard. So uh, let me let me just tee it off for for Nancy. So um, as as we've been preparing and finalizing our our key indicators and our true north metrics for FY19, we, you know, obviously reviewed everything that we had done in FY18 and as we're focusing on how we could get and identify uh, indicators that will provide a, a, a clear, you know, and an accurate picture of exactly how we're managing the operation, how, it, how our efforts are being impacted by that. So our focus for our finance pillar was looking at the, the, the key drivers to the organization, which are revenue and expenses. Mm -hmm. And so identifying those those key indicators that will give us a sense of how well we're performing in each of those areas. Mm -hmm. So we have to, to present to you, and Nancy will kind of go into them a little bit, is, is five indicators, one of them being EBITDA target, which is the overarching goal that we're looking at meeting our budget. Mm -hmm. And then what are those two dri the drivers? Two of them for revenue, two of them for expenses. Right. Right. So I'm just going to go right to this. Um, so obviously here's the dashboard, it's a little hard to see, um, but the ones circled in red are, are the sustainability, so that's um, our finance um, our finance key uh, metrics. And so the, the ones that we're looking at, obviously EBITDA, that's the overall goal. Um, and then we wanted to have something that would say, okay, how are we doing at actually attaining the net revenue that we expect to get based on our services that we've provided and what our volumes were. So this is the new metric that we're trying to come up with, um, which is the cash collections as a percentage of the expected net revenue. Okay. So 
basically this is you know what we'll be calculating that expected net revenue on a monthly basis and we'll looking we'll be looking at how our cash is actually coming in associated with that mm -hmm. and we're for this purpose, we're really, at this time, only looking at doing the Sorian, the core, because that's the one we, we okay. were able to get right. the cash report broken down that tells us you know, what period that it comes to. Once we get to Epic, if we continue to look at this, then we'll be, we'll be able to look at everything. But right reasonable. now, yeah. um, without having to go through a lot of rigmarole and reporting to try and get to the, the answer, we want to just look at the Sorian piece. Um, so that would be looking at how we're doing and actually getting that net revenue. Um, and then we also want to be able to look at how, how we're managing our receivables and how long, you know, that we're getting, that we're collecting uh, on a timely basis and we're actually making improvements on, you know, how we're gathering the data up front and, and being able to build through to, and get the money from the um, providers. So that's why we want to continue to look at our gross days in accounts receivable. Um, that we've mm -hmm. been looking at um, previously. And this, um, I think this is actually, um, I have to check on this. This says without AHP, and I think it was originally, I'm, I, I have to check on that. I don't, I'm not sure now that I go back to it whether or not we wanted to have it with or without AHP. And I think we did just because of the fact that AHP has some different systems and stuff that they're using. Um, and then we want then we want to also look at expenses to make sure that it's balanced. And um, so we're looking at expense per adjusted patient day, and then worked hours per adjusted patient day. And obviously we have the broad expense number, but obviously since labor is 65, you know, percent of um, our expenses, we want to uh, look at labor. And expense per patient day just explained to me that would give us a sense of ambulatory as well as inpatient or is this much more uh, uh, an, a metric of understanding the inpatient? No, it's, 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 it's both because what it does is it, it, the adjusted patient day basically uses your, it comes, it's calculation that says your revenue, um, your total revenue divided by your average inpatient revenue per day. Okay. So it's, it's it taking all your outpatient, and that. in this okay. case, any if there's professional revenue in there as well, it would take it all and do the calculation. Right, so, so again, the, the focus here is, is looking at the two primary drivers. So one of them is looking at expenses mm -hmm. overall yeah. uh, across the, the system, capturing labor and non-labor. So how well are we managing overall expenses? Mm -hmm. And then the second one is now mm -hmm. helping us drill down into how productive are we? Mm -hmm. Are we managing our resources effectively? Are we flexing appropriately? Are we managing that uh, that staff? So that's what that. So the work dollars for just a patient day is more of a productivity measure, looking at how well we're we're managing uh, to our volumes. And the the, the the expense per participation day is a, is a more global looking at how well we're doing at managing managing all expenses, labor and non-labor. Yeah. And the, the key about these is uh, both of those are key metrics that we're also you know not only monitoring within ourselves but we're benchmarking uh, as part of our our Vizient uh, efforts and looking at using all of our analytical tools. And, and the cash collection, I understand, because the other entities are just so um, kind of messy right now. Do, but is there, until 
Epic, which is a year and a half away, is there no other way that we that that this can then transition from core to some of these other entities as well? And, and we're working on that. We're looking at it, and we're trying to, to do that. We, we just don't have. It's just we have to go back and get like where's our our benchmark right. data to start right. with. We already have the reporting in place for mm -hmm. Sorian, so it's easy for us to pull that stuff together. Yeah. And we have other things that we're trying to focus on to try and you know yeah. work on all of our um, patient revenue right. sources. So it was just for the purposes here since we we have those reports and and we don't really have um, there's not a. a, a a lot of resources available to do create new reports off of the um, San Leandro Meditech system. Mm -hmm. So it just was we decided we'd focus on the story, and which is the major, you know, component but of the system. Mm -hmm. We just have to be patient, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I want the. That's a reasonable point. Uh, yeah, and I'm thinking that you know, just because it's, it, there's. Uh, checks and balances happening everywhere. You're doing it, on, but for a true north metric, was there some revenue that that really captures the system? Like, what that's something that should go on on the dashboard rather than the core, so we get a sense of how is the system doing in terms of like. So, is there anything that you need to add to this, or you would just not? That would give us a system level well they're included in the the gross the uh, yeah. the days per you know accounts receivable day the gross days in accounts mm -hmm. receivable they're in the EBITDA they're right. in the expense they're in all so of the other pieces, so pieces um, right. and we will be tracking mm -hmm. um, I mean you know we'll be tracking them we just don't have the reports the at the level for cash it. at the Got level it. that says it's appropriate specific to the, that revenue that we're comparing it to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can we can um, look at their cash collections as a percentage of net revenue. It's just that it could be cash collections for the prior year, or yeah. And if there's not fidelity in the data, then right. it's not it's it's not point. Yeah, I understand. So we'll be monitoring mm -hmm. what we have. It's just that's why we only wanted to report something that we knew we could tie out and have good reporting numbers. I think I think that's a key point that. There's dozens of metrics that we're looking at that we're, you know, we call what we call our watch metrics and that we're constantly monitoring and that we're reporting on, that we're reviewing in our variance committees and our budget oversight committees and things like that. But these are the, the five that we felt, you know, would give us a, a, a greater sense, you know, as a governing body to look at the overall performance from a sustainability perspective. These are the key metrics and key indicators that will capture, you know, our overall performance and how we're moving the organization forward. One thing that we just want to kind of, if, if this will go to food, feedback for the full board too, but is that if it's a metric that we feel confident that we are already doing fairly well and it'll be in the green, like Dr. Babaria said, that as much as possible on the dashboard, we show metrics that are challenging for us, where we can show the difference. So it's not how much green or pink that we, but we see. But that's meaningful to us to say this was an area that you know we had some issues with. This is where we can show improvement. Um, so rather than the places where we are already, uh, you know, skating and doing better. So these are all of our stretch. 
Uh, oh, these are the these are the core ones. Well, I will, yeah, what, I will say, core. what I will say is that three of the five are directly tied to our budget. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if if we're either meeting budget and it's green, or we're not meeting budget and it's red, and we got to figure it out. Yeah. So, so th there is no, I mean, there is, I guess you can say, the stretch is that we need to make sure we meet our targets, we meet our budget. And three of the five, which are the EBITDA, Expense Participation Day, and Work Participation Day, those, those are, are your key indicators. Cool. And, and essentially, I mean, we would expect cash collections to be 100% of our expected net revenue, right? I mean, that's what you want to have, obviously. There's always issues with that, um, so we're going to have to come up with a, a target that, um, you know, is reasonable. But you know, we want to get to 100, right? Yeah. And then, um, obviously, I mean, there's always room to improve gross days in accounts receivable because we want to be, you know, collecting um, and. Um, finalizing bills faster than what we have been right so I think in that but that one is one where I think a deeper dive for the board to better understand yeah. you know because earlier when you said we, we've got things that accounts receivable that are year old we're, we're you're writing them off basically um, it would be really helpful to understand that because I know you've made a lot of effort to, to, to capture those dollars and I remember when I started we were oh, just getting doctors to finish filling out their 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 charts or whatever just mm -hmm. you could bill um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's still an issue or not but yeah. um, such a huge part above 180 days or you know like you, now you can see how that proportion has changed so dramatically too yeah. and we can do uh, I mean at some point we can um, we can do a deeper dive on that too yeah. that might be a good uh, report out for future just okay. for yeah. keep us you know educated okay um, there's just some that, um, and I just to these were just some drivers that to help achieve some of those targets oh, that we before have. Before you go, so oh. you're gonna get questions from other trustees in a couple of weeks. I know um, that mm -hmm. might have some other questions. I know we all got an email from one of our trustees today asking some questions about other things being on here. So oh, okay, um, just know that. Yeah. Other thing, other metrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean in the finance and the sustainable. Yeah, yeah under this up. under this topic. Oh, okay. just, you know, we have a, a board member who's really taken the initiative to ask lots of questions, and I'm you know, good ones, but just expect that. You know. Okay. I, mean, I don't think it's anything. I mean, for example, they're asking about the um, uh, uh, our net negative balance. I don't think that's something to report on monthly because we know that it goes like this when you get major reimbursements. Um, and we report on the net negative exactly, balance in the but financials. Not, but not on the dashboard. Not on the dashboard. Exactly, we report exactly. it in the financials. That's, that's what I, I told them. And um, yeah, anyway, some okay. more questions coming. Okay, so um, just I wanted to note that's on here important. that we um, have a comprehensive benchmarking and productivity review that's at the department level because we're using those action OI benchmarks now. Um, and then the position control to help manage um, all the positions in the budget requests. And, the, and then the Budget Oversight Committee. Um, so those are all things that we've been doing and they will continue to to do to manage to um, the cost side of that. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the, the revenue cycle piece. Um, and so um, at some point I will give you, I probably, I don't know, 
probably going to be a busy uh, meeting in September, but <laughs> we'll bring back some of the things that we've been doing and, and um, some of the successes we've seen on the revenue cycle um, report. Okay. So, so questions um, for the committee um, were that whether or not these metrics represent somewhat of a balanced scorecard um, for AHS measuring performance in fiscal year 19. Um, and then is there, you know, are there other metrics um, that we should consider including? Um, I looked at this and didn't have um, an answer to either of those questions, but again, you know, we probably should forward this to you and then have a pub make it a public conversation. I'm sure the trustee will um, ask it publicly. Yeah. The question is okay. public, but yeah. give you some preparation so you can. Okay, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and as as something comes to us post meeting, we can email um, yeah. you as well. Okay. That would that would that would be very helpful. Um, again, uh, <laughs> I I, I, I reemphasize that you know the 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 TNM dashboard is really intended to highlight some of those key mm -hmm. indicators that we're focusing on as a leadership team and that we feel give you a sense of how we're performing as an organization and all the different pillars. Mm -hmm. Again, there's there's dozens and dozens of metrics that we monitor, that we manage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we feel that, that you know, these are the ones that, that for us, as, as you know, based on, mm -hmm. on the work that's that's happened, the work that we're doing, that really will, will, pr will present us that, that type of, uh, of, of information. I think, so. I think sometimes there's confusion between a dashboard and a financial report. Yep. And um, Nancy just clarified one item that would be well situated in a financial report, but not really a dashboard item. Right. So maybe we should start the conversation with, um, at the board meeting, with what we're trying to do with what you just said, <laughs> Louise, regarding yeah, right, what the purpose right. of the dashboard is and what the purpose of And I think that's the that's you know again as as we're working with you know the, the the rest of the board. I mean it's it's helping understand you know the difference between the two and what we're doing here with that because uh, again at, at the end of the day you know it doesn't mean that you know because it's not on the board it doesn't mean we're not looking at it. Right. It well, just I means mean, that these are the. the key I would things. add actually. I mean my experience and maybe it's just me my capacity or something. Um, if something is, if the dashboard is too full, it, it, it becomes too busy and it loses its effectiveness. Correct. At least with this trust. Well, it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's like the saying goes, right? It, you know, you can be, you know, a mile wide inch deep or you could be, yeah. you know, much more focused and deliberate about the work that you're doing. And that's what the TNM really truly stands for, yep. the True North Metric Dashboard. And um, so that, that will help as we're communicating that. But to the point where you mentioned earlier, if if there are some some you know questions or things that have been raised, if you can share, you know, someone can share those with us. Nancy and I will be happy to look at those. So then we'll be better prepared at the meeting to explain or help provide further clarity around what and and why these are are in place versus whatever's being communicated. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to go back to my analogy. I want it to be a car dashboard, <laughs> not a rocket ship dashboard. Not <laughs> <laughs> what those pilots have to look at. Oh, Forget about it. So. You know, like, like a. 52 olds will be I think those dashboards had like two things on yeah. them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Four empty car yeah. <laughs> And I think that DNM is used by internal stakeholders too, so they, that you've had input from them. But what do folks 
who work here, it's not just the board, but what dashboard do they see to see like how healthy is it, how are we doing, so that that understanding uh, percolates and is is a is a you know useful resource for everybody. Correct. I mean, for me as an out as that network. Role, I'm always like, ooh, like at one point in time, we used to see a lot about the uh, insurance, you know, in, are we doing our contracts and things. But right now, that's like such a wishy-washy thing, and I, I'm sure at some point in time, it's, it's the one that I understand least about, like what that pillar is and what we really do about it and what we are supposed to look at that and understand as people. So I know this is finance committee, but sometimes it's like looking at one of those and saying, oh, do we even really need that row at all? Mm -hmm. This is the sort of thing that's always under constant review. I see two minutes yeah, left point. Uh, for the, our meeting goal ending. Um, and we have one item uh, left, and that's uh, the issues chart tracking. I just had one uh, question here to see if we had any update on the review of defined pension benefit that was sort of left without any progress or uh, to due date. Or is staff any closer to setting uh, a due date at least on that? It's the uh, third item down. Tony's. There he is. <laughs> Perfect. I'm not trying to press you. I just I don't like open holes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I actually have a question on this. Um, the first one on there, the report on our cash on hand. Um, I was hoping I already covered that in the last So we can move that to that. Although, by the way, that was one question that the trustee had about but our the, cash that on hand. It was done in the finance committee, so right. we just have That's to refer the trustee to Because I get we it, did it yeah. We all get it now. Well, those of us that were at committee get it, yeah. but the rest of the board doesn't necessarily understand that. So we just have to take that lovely thing and presentation you did and share it with the rest of the right. And to be clear, the review of the fine pension plan, <clears throat> that was basically information regarding the unfunded liabilities with respect to uh, yeah. our, our obligation to the Seraphine fund. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, I think we're there. Let's close the meeting. Congratulations, Chairperson. Very good job on your first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you, Chair. You didn't drive the car off the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. we got to help Sorry. with this metaphor. <laughs>